In your message, I put welcome all JFC to our series on marriage. I want to welcome all of our campuses, not just here at Lone Tree, but Highlands Ranch and Castle Rock and Lakewood, those that live stream us, those that will listen a couple of weeks from yeah. now. However you're a part of the JFC family, we're really glad that you're joining us and we're really glad that you're a part of what's going on. It is a real treat because you get to hear my wife tonight. She's actually a very good speaker, and I think that you will enjoy her. And what I lack in sweetness, she makes up for more than <laughs> 10 times over. Ecclesiastes 9.9 was a scripture that we used last week, and from the message version, it says, Relish life with the spouse you mm. love. Relish life with the spouse that you love. How many of you recognize the difference between relishing something and surviving something? <laughs> I think that many times in yeah. marriage, we tend to survive it rather than relish it. And here God tells us how we're supposed to have an attitude, what it's supposed to be like, what it's supposed to feel like, how we're supposed to enjoy it. When we relish something, we go after it. When we relish something, we think about it. When we relish something... We cherish yes. it or we respect it or, or we desire it. Does that make sense? Yes. It's really the idea, desire to enjoy mm. life with the spouse that you married. That's really what's being said here. So we kind of use that as our main scripture that we're launching off on. And so I put right below that, the difference between relish and survive is simply that. When we relish something, we really yep. enjoy it. When we're surviving something, we're just making it through. God doesn't want you just to make it through your marriage. He wants you to relish it and to enjoy it. Now, <laughs> under the transition point, uh, we called the message, Under the Covers. <laughs> under the Covers. Automatically, get your yep. mind out of the gutter. <laughs> Here's the deal. If my wife is sitting up here with me, I promise you, there will be nothing even questionable <laughs> that will have your pastor's on his best behavior right now. I could get in great trouble for anything that I say wrong. So, so it, get your mind out of the gutter. Here, here's what it really means, and here's, here's why we called it that. We felt like it would be uh, a message where people would recognize, uh, we're going to talk about what do we do behind the scenes that makes it work. Yes. That's why we called it under the covers, the things that nobody else sees. Does that make sense? Yep, yep. I mean, everybody has a public persona of us. <laughs> everybody thinks they know us. Everybody thinks they understand us. Everybody thinks, many times they think, wow, you just have one of those marriages where you, you talk that way, you're able to preach that way, you're able to teach those things because you, you just got lucky. We did not get lucky. Yes. We are human. Yep. Wow. Let me try that one more yes. time. We are human. Our feelings get hurt. Yep. Mine more. <laughs> it's natural. I'm a woman. <laughs> Go ahead, honey. <laughs> you know what she told me before we Listen. started this? Listen to this. She said, don't interrupt me while I'm talking. <laughs> That's what she said, JB. She said, don't interrupt me while I'm talking. Who's interrupting who right. right now? Huh? How's this going? All right. So your feelings get hurt. Yes. You, you, we both end up having two different opinions. Here's what we found. On almost everything we do, we have two different opinions. I have yet to find any one thing that we completely agree 100% on. And we used to fight about that all the time. Yeah. Who's right? Do it my way. You know what we've learned to do? We've learned to celebrate the fact that we yeah. arrived from, we arrive at the same answer, but from different conclusions. It's amazing yeah. how that works. So we decided what we would talk about is, under the covers, 
um, what we do behind the scenes that makes it work. So here's what we wrote down, our three biggest challenges, our three biggest challenges. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 28, Paul writes these really infamous words, but those who marry will have a lot of <laughs> trouble. <laughs> Anybody married can agree with that, yes or no? Yep. Anybody afraid to agree with that right now? Nope. <laughs> Anybody just like, please move on? <laughs> He's sitting in here, and I don't want to talk about it right now. Okay, I, I, I get it. But Paul does mention the fact that being married does cause trouble, and here's why. You can't take two people who are completely yeah. different, put them in the same household, and expect everything to go easy. <laughs> it just doesn't work like that. And so we decided, okay, what three things have we... Uh, they, they've been the biggest challenge yes. in 30 years. They've been the yep. things that that we haven't completely overcome, nope. that we still have to practice, <laughs> we still have to decide, okay, here's how this yes. gets handled, here's what we're going to do with this. So, uh, number one, I put down, remember, I'm doing one and three, Chris is doing two. Here, here's the number one thing that I struggle with in our marriage, I can't fix everything. He tries. <laughs> here's what I tend to yep. think. When my wife comes to me, and she tells me something that's going on in her life. I think she's telling me that because she wants me to fix it. I think she's asking for my advice. I think that she is asking me to get my hands on it and to help her out. And in reality, you know what she really wants? She wants me to listen to her. Yes. Yep. I cannot figure out why do you need me to listen to you? <laughs> Let me fix your problem. All right, we found this video that we felt like probably every married couple, dating couple in this room has probably experienced this right here. I want you to watch this, it's very funny. See if you can relate to it. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless. And I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. No, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just... Don't! Try to see things my way. <laughs> Anybody? <laughs> we watched that. We thought to ourselves, God, that is just... It's, it's like a man looks at it and he thinks he identifies instantly what it is. Whereas the woman's like, no, that's not it. Don't talk to me about it. Just listen to me right here. And I think that after 30 years, you would think that we had learned that lesson right there. You would think that we had fixed that, that issue right there. But what we have found 
is that we still, here, here's the difference. It's the difference between a man yeah. and a woman. Now, we live in a day and we live in an age where they keep trying more and more to blend the two things together, to, to take away the gender roles more and more and more. But no matter what they do, I want to make this statement to you. Men think a certain way, yep. women think a certain way, and that's what makes marriage fun, yes. and it also makes it tough. <laughs> because we tend to go at it from our point of view. Men, I said it last week, men love to get their hands on things and fix things, don't they? If you could give a guy five things to do tonight to fix his marriage, I want you to karate chop a board, I want you to <laughs> nail a nail, I want you to unscrew a screw, I want you to ride a motorcycle, and I want you to race your car. The dude's like, I'm in. I can do it. I'll fix it. It's done. But if you said to the man, here's what I need you to do. I want you to go home and really listen to your wife's feelings tonight. And then I want you to write down what she's feeling. Yes, why are you laughing? You know why? Because you recognize your husband yeah. would be, it'd be like speaking Chinese to him. He'd be like, uh, what? Well, uh, is there any other alternative? Russian roulette? <laughs> no. <laughs> Just listen to me. So what we have found, it really takes a conscientious effort on my part to sit and to listen and not fix the problem. Yes. Here's what, here's what I know. Nine times out of ten, I married somebody that's smarter than I am. Listen to me. She normally knows exactly what to do. She normally knows how to handle situations better than me. She normally knows what the answer is. You know what she needs? She needs someone just to simply listen to her to help justify why she feels the way that she feels yes. and to help her work her way through her feelings. Yeah. So somebody goes, yeah, but why should I do that? Because you got married. And if you don't like that, don't get married. I'm being dead serious right now. Don't get married. Men tend to think, if I could just fix it, it'll be okay. And that's not what women need. Women need men who listen to them. Does that make sense? All right, now the second one, I think, is a little more interesting. We called it re-engage feelings to enjoy longevity. So baby, why don't you pick it up there and go after it. So first of all, hello everybody. I'm so excited to be up here teaching with my favorite person in the world. Um, but before I get to my point, John doesn't know I'm doing this. I, it's Father's Day weekend. And um, I wanted to wish my father happy Father's Day. He's not here in town, he's with my sister. I just wanna thank him for being such a great dad. But this man that I married, is the best. He is the best husband and the best father. He is committed and has always been committed to our children. He has blessed them financially. He's the one that's taught them about Jesus. Those little stories from the Bible when they were young, he's the one that was reading them to him. He was the one reading the stories to them. And now he's explaining the Bible to them. They all go to him for questions about the Bible. He's taught them to follow their dream, every single one of them. And so on behalf of all of our kids, they want to wish you happy Father's Day. So I've got a card from them. 
and one of them couldn't be with us today, so he's got something he wants to say to you on the video. Hey, Dad, it's Daniel all the way from Kona, Hawaii. I just want to wish you a happy Father's Day, and I hope you enjoy it, and I know you can enjoy it as much as you would if I was there, but I hope you enjoy it as much as you can. Bye. I love you. <laughs> so happy Father's Day to my favorite person. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so now i got to get to point two. So re-engage feelings to enjoy longevity. It's normal for feelings to go up and down in a marriage, so don't worry. It changes. We are changing beings. Now our kids are all graduated. What we need from each other is completely different. So it's okay. But if you want to connect, it takes a little bit of effort. Well, the third point takes a lot of effort. But the first two are pretty easy. So here's a couple of things John and I do. We spend time together. John and I love spending time together. You may think I'm kidding, but we really do love spending time together. We're the kind of people that when we get home from being away from each other, we run to each other and find out where each other's at just so we can see each other because we really enjoy that time. But a couple of the things we like to do together is we like to shop. Truthfully, let this be known, my husband loves to shop. <laughs> He's like, let's go shopping. I'm like, are we shopping for something? Uh, nope, we're just shopping. I'm like, okay, let's go. I like to shop for things for the house. He likes to just shop for everybody and everything. <laughs> um, we love to eat out, not only because we love eating out, but we love talking to each other. And it's, it seems like when we set that time aside to just look at each other and talk to each other and fellowship, it's just something we encounter each other's day and what happens, and we love to do that. We love movies. Well, okay, I love movies. <laughs> John goes with me to movies <laughs> a lot of time. Any movie. They could be kids' movies, family movies, adventurous movies. I'm just like glued to it. I look over and I hear John going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all right, he's getting a nap and I get to watch this movie. <laughs> um, we love, love traveling together. Again, it's that designated time that we get to spend together if we're on a plane or if we're in a car, we talk, we get a re, uh, we listen to books, we don't read. Well, I read, but he listens, we listen to books together, we learn, we grow, and without having that time set aside for us to do that, it's not gonna happen. Um, let's see, we like to just plain old date, and you're never, ever too old to date. We love to date, and we love to make events. In fact, okay, this is how much we love to travel, eat out, and date. I think it reached almost every one of these. One day, it was in November, and I think it was two years ago, John said, hey, I got a great idea. Our favorite restaurant is in California. He's like, let's go on a day date. I'm like, a day date? What, what do you, tell me. He goes, let's go to California. Let's eat at our restaurant. <laughs> do a little bit of shopping, and fly home. And some of you may think, wow, that's a lot of money to do something like that. Well, to be honest with you, it wasn't as much as you would think it would be, but it was a blast. We had so much fun, and we'd call our kids, that because, where are you guys? We're like, uh, 
well, we're in California. <laughs> Where are you? And they'll be like, are you guys coming home tonight? We're like, yeah, we'll be home about 9 o'clock unless we decide to stay overnight, which we didn't. We ended up coming home that night. But it was like a 12-hour date. How fun. We so enjoyed our time together doing that. And shopping was fun, too. And the best restaurant ever. Trust me. Okay, so one of our favorite things we like to do is sit on our back porch. Doesn't cost anything. And all we do is sit and look at each other and talk a little bit. John will read the paper. I'll read through my magazines. Or I'll just sit there thinking, wow, how pretty it is outside. And we just enjoy each other's company. So remember... The point isn't that you have to be spending money. You just have to be spending time. Number two, another way to re-engage your feelings is the physical part of your relationship. So John doesn't know. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to share anything about that. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? So everybody, I'm going to tell you, okay? Get your notes out. Not. <laughs> although the physical, although Having sex is of the utmost importance. It's very, very important. When I'm talking about physical touch, this isn't what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the gentle touch. I love just to touch him. I love him to hold my hand. When he holds my hand, it's telling me, everything's okay. You're okay. I love that. We love hugging. We can't walk by each other in the kitchen or wherever, and just grab each other and hug each other. And these things are just so simple and basic, but it's what we really do live by. It's so important that you stir the fire of these things or else they're just not going to happen. Although saying I love you isn't a physical touch, it is something we say on an ongoing basis because what it does, it promotes the physical touch. So constantly, we are always saying, I love you. I love you. I love you more. <laughs> you guys do that. I love you more than you love me kind of thing. You know, we try to keep it youthful and fun, but we're always saying, I love you. It's never, never gets old hearing how much he loves me, especially he doesn't know what's going on in my heart. And when he tells me he loves me. He's telling me that I'm okay. And he's giving me identity because the person that I think is the most favorite person in the whole world thinks the same thing about me. And when he tells me, I love you, it rocks my world. We always cuddle before we go to sleep. In fact, a lot of the times the way we fall asleep is our hands are always holding like this. And I'm not sure at what point we let go of hands, probably in our dream stage, but, but we're always cuddling and holding hands before we go to sleep. It's the last thing. It's, it's even the last thing we do. I mean, we, our words have already been spoke, and it's the last thing we do is just touch each other and make sure that we're there. Okay, this is a great benefit, and John is so good at this. He likes to rub my neck or my feet or my back, right? He likes it? I don't know if he likes it, but he does it for me all the time. Chris, come here. I can tell you've had a busy day, and I have a lot of busy days. Come here. Let me just rub your neck. And again, he's saying, it's so important to me what your needs are, 
and I'm going to take care of you. And I'm like, right. And, he, and you know what's so cool is? He doesn't say, hey, I'll rub your neck if you rub my neck. None of that. We did that when we were younger. We stopped rubbing each other's neck. <laughs> what he did and does is just rub my neck or my feet or wherever he sees that there's a need. Another thing I love is um, I like my arm to be tickled. And if we're sitting on the couch watching TV or whatever, we're always just touching. We're always just saying and approving of each other by doing that and saying I love you. And we're just being present to the present, which is really important. The final way John and I re-engage our feelings is probably the most important. We open our hearts to each other. In fact, if this point three isn't happening, the other two things aren't going to be happening either. This sets up everything. If there's things in my heart with him, trust me, we're not going to be holding hands or anything else. (laughs) 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 That's kind of like one of those unspoken things, right? (laughs) There's a scripture... Matthew 6, 21, and it says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Treasure means, hang on, got to put my glasses back on. The treasure is something of great worth or value, also a person esteemed as rare or precious. Wow. I know, I know that I am John's treasure. I know that. Because he shows me in every way. I know that I'm his treasure. He esteems me in front of our children. He esteems me in front of all of you. And trust me, I'm not as good as he esteems me. (laughs) But he's always treasuring me. And that is so important. John and I simply on a regular basis Try to have an open heart with each other and to treasure each other. In other words, we choose to have an open heart with each other. When we're young married, you just think it happens. It doesn't. You choose this in your heart to do this, to make each other the treasure. At times, this can be difficult because you have to choose the other person over yourself. And we know that men can be selfish. (laughs) I'm kidding. We're both selfish. It's in our nature to think of ourselves. We feel like, oh, we've got to protect ourselves or we have to do this. That is so contrary to what the word of God says. The word of God and Jesus tells me to think of him more highly than I think of anybody else or anything else, including our children. And so if I put him even above my ideas and thoughts And myself, and he's doing the same thing, we're both being thought of 100% of the time. So how you have to choose to emotionally connect is by being selfless and not selfish. Stop just looking out for yourself. Stop. You've got to be humble, not prideful. You have to decide to forgive at all times not allowing the enemy any room to allow strife and offense. It's true forgiveness. When I was, when we were first married, 
it was so difficult for me to humble myself. I was very prideful. And if John did something to me, I just held it in. I held a grudge. And I kind of made him pay for it. Like I wouldn't speak to him. And guess what that did? It caused strife in our marriage. And quite a few years ago, the Lord convicted me of that. And he said, you need to stop. John is the most humble man. He's always coming to you apologizing first. And guess what? You, meaning me, are as equally wrong as him. So stop thinking so much of yourself and humble yourself. And as I began to practice that, wow, it is so easy now for me to do that because now is what I do. John's always been really good at that. But now it's what I do. So it helps us get when there's a disagreement or argument. And trust me, like John says, we are human and we do argue and we do. <laughs> but when we're both walking in humility, when we've allowed our heart to be opened up to each other, even, even if they've truly hurt you, you forgive like Jesus forgives and you will be on the right right track. A couple months ago, John and I were watching a television show, and we saw this video clip that we thought would be so awesome to what we're talking about today. Let me set it up for you a little bit. It's The Office. How many of you ever watched The Office before? The Office lost its way, obviously, when Steve <laughs> Carell left, went crazy. And uh, I only watched it simply because I wanted to see how crazy it would end. Um, and Jim and Pam, I always cheered for Jim and Pam. I always wanted them to make it. And it seemed to me in that last year, this last season, they were going to break that couple up right there. They were going to have Jim go to Philadelphia to start his own company. Pam was staying there in Pennsylvania uh, and doing her own thing. And it seemed like they were going to break up. They got to the point where their feelings became very disengaged yeah. from each other. And they were very cold towards each other. And then at the very end of this show, they played this clip. Mm. And then they used a scripture. And I want to show you this because I think it probably demonstrates what a couple yeah. needs to do sometimes in order to re-engage their emotions. Check out this clip right here. Love suffers long and is kind. 
it is not proud. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I think television gets a lot of things wrong, but every once in a while they get it right, don't they? And the power of that clip, I, I think it's amazing. I think you see two people who are very much disengaged with each other. One of them has to make the first move, and he does. You see the woman stand there not feeling anything at all. You saw it, didn't you? What a great actor she was to convey that to the people. And then as they begin to read that scripture from 1 Corinthians 13, and all of a sudden, man, it registers in her head what her husband's doing. She locks back in. Here's what I know. The farthest apart marriage, if it'll give it a chance to re-engage, Jesus gave the principle, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So many times we try to work on where our heart goes that we forget it's where our treasure goes that our heart follows. Make your spouse your treasure, and you'll be amazed at what happens in your heart. Does that make sense? Yes. Doesn't that make sense? All right, let me do number three, and we'll finish up here and move on with our, uh, our, our time that we had together. I like to call it face-to-face -face marriage. Now, I have taught this before, and I felt like it's a relevant issue. I'm not sure how many people caught it when I said it years and years ago, but let me talk about it again tonight. In the Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 5, verse 16, the first part of the verse, Solomon says, this is my lover, this is my friend. My idea is that if you get married, you should marry your friend. How many yes. of you agree with that idea yep. right there? You should marry somebody that you enjoy being with. You should marry somebody you enjoy hanging out with. You should marry somebody that you find that, wow, when you say things, it's interesting, and I like being with you, and it's good to be yes. friends. It's just, it's a natural thing. I wrote down in my notes these truths, see if you can agree. Marriage is supposed to be fun we're supposed to be friends with each other. Men act like conquerors <laughs> rather than explorers many times in their lives. <laughs> men tend to have this need to conquer things. Now, men come to my office and they tell me all the time, this is the woman for me, I want to get married. And no one, as I say, I joke every week, no one ever comes to my office and says, hey, we're going to get married for the next five years, but would you do our ceremony anyway? No one ever does that. They no. would come in, we're going to be married forever and ever and ever. And men have done things, listen, to win their wives' hearts. Yep. That's why their wives said yes. Yep. But men have a nasty habit of needing to <laughs> conquer. And after the woman says yes, they move on to the next thing, which yep. is generally work. And work takes 30 or 40 years to conquer, doesn't it? Yes. So they spend all their time putting all of their attention, all of their energy, all of their emotion into their work, while their wife is over here thinking, hey, buddy, you used to do that with me. What happened? Well, here's what happened. I conquered you. I won you. I got your heart. Well, if it ever changes, I'll let you know. Until then, we're just like this. And the poor woman feels like, man, this isn't what I signed up for. This isn't what I got to. And so I wrote in your notes, this is a truth that I have discovered this is a, a, if you don't remember anything else that we've taught tonight, underline this, write this down. This, this is absolutely square on. 
your wife wants to be explored, not conquered. <laughs> Ladies, that was a really good place amen. to say amen. Yes, I'm going to try it one more time. Your wife wants to yep. be explored on an ongoing basis, yes. not conquered by you. That's right. She wants you to learn more and more about her, why she thinks the way she thinks, why she comes up with her ideas and how she arrives at her conclusions. She doesn't want you to get into a place where you conquer her and then you push her to the side and you move on. How about this? Women would rather feel like they're going through life with their friend rather than their conqueror. <laughs> that's right. Is that a better way to say <laughs> yes. it? Yes. I think that's the truth and that's something that absolutely has to be understood by a man if he's going to be married and be in a good marriage. Here's something that I know to be true. Thinking contractually or covenantly is absolutely crucial to having a great marriage. When you think in terms of a contract, that's great for business. Yeah. Here's why it's great. Contracts have performance clauses. You do this, I do this, you act this way, I act this way. So men tend to get married with the idea that it's a contract. You do this, I do this. You do this, we have sex so many times per week. I make so much money, we have sex that many more times per week. That's what they tend to think. Here's the deal. It's great in business, but it kills a marriage. Yes. A marriage is not a contract, it's a covenant. Yes. What is a covenant? A covenant is when two people promise yes. each other to act yep. a particular way. Does that make sense? So when you enter into a marriage, you enter into a covenant. I wrote down here an understanding of covenant. I think maybe this will help you. A covenant is a loving agreement between two parties that binds them together. Yes. Covenant love never says, never stops, never gives up. It's unbreakable and it's forever. But a covenant, listen, is not what yep. most men enter into. Most men enter into contracts, and that's why they break their marriages. Yep. That's the difference. Yep. Does that make sense? Yep. You're not called to enter into a contract. You're called to enter into a covenant. Let me ask you this. Aren't you glad that God has a covenant with you rather than a contract with you? Yes. How many of you would have violated your contract the day you signed it? Yep. In everyday sense. In everyday sense. <laughs> yeah. There's not, it's an impossibility to honor a contract in a living relationship between two people who are married. It is a covenant. Now listen to this. The job of the head is to safeguard the covenant. Wow. So without pressing this too hard... Who's the head in the marriage, the man or the woman? The man. The man. How come I heard only women answering that <laughs> voice just now? I mean, I want to hear some, I want to hear some vocals yeah. here. How many know that the men are the head of the union? Yes. Amen. Sir, your job, protect your covenant. Watch over your covenant. Make sure that you're in a covenant relationship. All right, I put at the bottom of your notes, back to back, shoulder to shoulder, face to face. Here's what I have noticed in a 27-year time period of doing marriages, observing marriages, watching marriages, seeing how marriages work. A friend of mine actually taught uh, this principle one time, but it was a principle that I had actually taught first, and I thought he stole it from me. 
This is what he said. He said, back-to-back marriages work this way. People get married. They end up back-to-back to each other. They're working together, but basically all they do is share facts with each other. Yep. They don't share intimate details. They don't share really things that are deep. They just sort of share facts with each other, and they're back-to-back. Does that make sense? Yes. All right, some marriages then move to shoulder-to-shoulder or side-to-side. Now, is that a better marriage? Of course it's a better marriage. You're not back-to-back. You're not as far away from each other. You move shoulder-to-shoulder. You move side-to-side. Here's what I wrote about shoulder-to-shoulder marriages. Shoulder-to-shoulder marriages don't just share facts. They share opinions with each other. (laughs) Opinions are deeper than facts. They work together for a common cause, like raising children. Shoulder-to-shoulder marriages will spend 20, 25 years raising their children. But here's the problem with a shoulder-to-shoulder marriage. After the common cause is achieved, you have not much of a marriage left. And that's when the emptiness syndrome hits many couples and they split up because they think we've outgrown each other. You haven't outgrown each other. You've grown in different directions from each other. Hmm. Does that make sense? That's good. Okay, the last one and maybe the most important one And the one that if I was going to recommend to any couple in this room of what to do, I like to call it the face-to-face marriage. Now, remember, the back-to-back, you share facts. Shoulder-to-shoulder, you share opinions. Face-to-face, you have to share your feelings. Yikes. (laughs) Yes, gentlemen, you've got to share your feelings. Gentlemen, you've got to share your feelings. Gentlemen, (laughs) one more time. You've got (laughs) to share your feelings. Why? Because your wife needs to know what's in your heart. Yep. Every woman, yes or no? Yes. Why do they need to know that? I don't know. (laughs) Let me give you a great example. I I have sat the whole time. I've got to stand. One time, we have dual dual vanities in our bathroom, dual, dual sinks in front of a great big mirror. One time, I was washing my hands in the mirror, and I looked up in the mirror, and I looked at Chris, and I smiled at her. That's all I did. I smiled. She was working on her hair, and she goes, what is it? And it scared me. I'm like, what's what? She goes, it's my hair, isn't it? It's horrible. They did a horrible job. They, they didn't cut it right. They didn't dye it right. They didn't do anything right. I can't get it to lay right. I can't. It looks hideous, doesn't it? And here was the deal. I was enjoying the hot water. (laughs) God is my witness. The only thought, JB, the only thought in my head was, oh, this water feels so good. I am so thankful that I have hot water. But instead, I look at her and I go, yeah, it's not laying right. You need to really work on that right there. So she's furiously trying to fix her hair. What's wrong with my hair? And the whole thing was just... Oh, this, uh, I'm, we live in such a wonderful day where we have warm water. I wonder what back those Romans, they had cold water. Hey, that was, this was probably a bummer for them, but all they had was hot water. You know what she needs? She needs you to share yep. your heart. Women tend to think men have the secret of the universe buried yes. locked inside their heart. We do. Yep. And when you share, you draw your wife into your life. <laughs> and when you don't share, you keep your wife locked out of your life. Did you hear me? And then here's what happens. Men come to my office. I want you to pay attention to this. It's not in your notes. And I got a couple of extra minutes. Men come to my office. Men are infamous for saying, 
I had no idea she felt this way. And she had been saying to you for more than 15 or 20 years, we're not connected to each other. Did you hear me? Mm -hmm. I'm trying to give it away to you right now. When you go face-to-face with a person, you have to share feelings. You have to share your heart. You have to share what it's about. Yes. Put back in here, and I'll end it this way. Back-to-back, shoulder-to-shoulder, face-to-face. Friendship, listen to this. Friendship is costly. Do you agree with that? Friendship in everything takes time, energy, emotion, and money. But friendship is what it's all about in marriage, isn't it? This is my very best friend in the entire world. She knows more about me than anybody else. Listen, Someday, Chris and I will leave this church. I hope it's not soon. I believe that God said, I'll give you another 15 years there. But at some point, folks, look, we will not be your pastors anymore. And when I leave here, guess who's going to leave with me? (laughs) She'll be the only one that goes with me when I leave. How important is it then that I make this the priority of my life right now? If I make all of you my priority... None of you will go with me, and that relationship will suddenly just end like that. But if I make this my priority, I live the rest of my life with my best friend, don't I? That's the way that it's supposed to be. That's what's supposed to happen. All right, so we come to the end of the message. I realize you're listening to this. Maybe you come from a lot of point of views. Maybe you see a lot of different (laughs) things. Maybe you're thinking, God, Pastor, if you only knew, we're just too far apart to reconnect to each other. Here's what I know. We've got people in this room, in our church, who have been divorced, who remarried each other because they got the truth that I'm teaching right now. Yep. It is very possible for it to happen. It is very possible for it to happen. How many of you believe that God can do anything? Yes. Yep. God can do anything. He can even put back together marriages that are in really bad places. So how about we take a few minutes and we pray right now, and then we spend some time connecting to God. So, Father, we just come before you, and we thank you for the time that we've had to be able to share. God, I just ask that tonight, what we've shared, God, it would make a difference in people's lives. That people wouldn't just hear it, and it would go in one ear and out the other ear. That people would pay attention to what's being shared. Lord, I want to pray right now for the most, um, maybe, maybe the marriage that is the furthest apart in distance, that God, the Holy Spirit, would speak to them and draw them back together. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, draw them back together. Give them things, Father God, not that make them different. Give them things that lock them in together. Teach them about covenant. Teach them about desire. Teach them about practicing the things that we talked about. I want to pray for all the marriages in our church that are close to each other, that love each other, and that want to go to the next level. Teach them, God, how to become best friends with each other. How to do it. Lord, we bless you. May Jubilee be a place where people don't just come and... Lord, they're doing what the world does. They're living together. May people walk into this place. Let them get married and have a lot of kids. Yes, Let's go against the flow. Let this be a place where marriage is celebrated, honored, held high in esteem. We love you and we bless you now in Jesus' name. Amen.